0: Welcome to Let's Talk, hosted by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. Here, we will focus on the struggle, the juggle, and everyday hustle of small business. We will be here weekly talking to small business owners about their everyday struggles. We welcome your questions and comments, so feel free to email us at admin at com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. We're here today in the studio with Rudy De La Garza, founder and owner of FD Financial. For the last 50 years, Rudy has either helped or built over 50 companies from the start. This is part one of a three-part series talking about corporations and how to start your business. How have you been? Has it been a good year for you so
1: far? Oh, it's getting off to a great start. Let me okay. put it that way. January, February are always my best part of the year. It tells really? me how we're going to go for the rest of the year. Okay. And it's been really hot this year. Has a it? A lot of... You know, it's funny because I'm at a stage in my life where I'm thinking, okay, I need to kind of slow down and retire and not do as much work as I've done, and don't mm-hmm. start as many companies as I have. Right. But somehow or another I've had more calls on consulting work before. And then that's why I said, Hey, I'm looking into podcasting. Maybe I could just consult instead okay. of getting in the job itself and being CEO or CFO of right. companies. I like that idea better. I, I like just Trying to help this millennium Mm -hmm. group understand corporate structure and how to protect their entities and how to run a business because they're really a different group altogether. True. It's it's, uh, very interesting.
0: True enough. True enough. So the goal now is to determine how this can best be utilized by those millennium because the information is priceless. But the goal is getting it to them so that they can utilize it. Because sometimes you can get information and analysis paralysis, and sometimes you don't know where to go.
1: So well, that, that, that's, that's, that's key is that, you know, you got so many inventors or new people who mm-hmm. are starting out with an idea,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they don't know how to take that idea to the next level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that idea is what we need in our community. We need more people like that. True. So we need to have organizations that will reach out and help that person with that idea. Okay. And help it develop it in a proper way so it can move forward with that idea. That's their idea, their invention. Right. So you don't want to take it from them. Mm -hmm. You want to help them develop it. Okay. And I think that's one of the issues that I've struggled with over the years of starting businesses and Mm -hmm. helping businesses is the lesson I learned early on is that you can get advice from your professional people. Right but they have a motive for their advice. And no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. no matter what advice they give you, you're the only one that can make the decision, Mm -hmm. and you're the only one that will lose or win money. Right. So you have to be real careful of the advice you get. Mm -hmm. You have to research that device and make sure you understand what that device means to Mm -hmm. you later on for your business. Okay.
0: So let's talk about, we're going to do a good segue. Let's talk about the right business structure. What is the right business structure for someone?
1: You know, the, the only way a business structure works is that you have to determine what the product is in advance. Okay? You have to use the market and find out, okay, who has this product out there already? Mm-hmm. And if they have that product, how can I get that product to the street, number one? Mm-hmm. And then when you have that idea, that's going to help determine what type of entity you need to use for your product. Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's partnerships. There's LLCs, there's corporations, S's and C's. Mm -hmm. If I need to raise capital to help develop that entity, I want a corporation. I want shareholders. Mm. A lot of people are using LLCs today, but that limits them on the type of shareholders they can get in their product at a later date. Okay. So if you think you're going to grow to be the guy in the sky that's going to go public one day. Right then you need a corporation. You can't do it with an LLC. Okay. So why not start out with a corporation? And a corporation has two ways of being taxed, an SS, a C corporation and an S corporation. Okay. If you get your shareholders to agree you want to be an S, they're taxed directly. So there, doesn't, there isn't double taxation. Okay. And that's what an LLC does. <laughs> but now as you grow – you can bring in other type of investors and you can switch to a a C because you're making millions of dollars.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit about the size of the market and how do you determine your target market? How do you know where to – this product, if it's going to be valuable?
1: Yeah. How do you determine that? You know, Google is the best way to determine that. First of all, you've got your idea and you're trying to think, what do I do with this thing? Search it out in Google. See if anything is similar. Okay. And they're all similar. Come on. It's not a brand new idea. What you've done, you've taken that idea and you've created it to slightly be different. Okay. And it has an opportunity for more people. Okay. So you search it out and you find out who's copying you or who's similar to what you've got. Mm,
2: Your competitor.
1: Your competitor. And then it tells you, is this a product that would only sell in my city? Mm. Will it only sell in my state? Okay. It's just something that all Americans would use. But if all Americans would use it. Maybe it's nationally, you can take it worldwide. Okay. That's where my product determination is, where my market size is. You okay. gotta look at real close who would buy this service or this product.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. So investigation and research uh, is what I'm hearing that's key to your success. Or one of the steps or one of the keys to yeah, your success. I think success. that's an
1: important key key that you you really look at what your product is. Mm-hmm. whether you're going to need a patent
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, trademarks okay those things to protect your product okay and while you're out there investigating and you're sharing your ideas with people don't forget to use a non-disclosure agreement ah. well i have tell you so many times i have heard in the past stories where they went to a large capital company and mm-hmm. didn't use a non-disclosure agreement mm-hmm. and all of a sudden That company is financing somebody with that same type of product. Wow. You've got a great idea and you want to keep that great idea until you develop it. Non-disclosure agreements is very important to you,
0: so that's where that intellectual property law and things like that may even come in somewhat.
1: Yeah, and you, as you grow, you, those parts will come into play, and you okay. need to know whether you need a patent or not.
0: Okay, all right, excellent. So let's talk about how you determine the cost of goods sold for your product or service. You know, that seems to be one of the the caveats. And like, okay, well, it cost me a dollar, but I know I want to make five. How do I price it? Yeah,
1: okay. that's, that's that's great question too because i see some things that are way overpriced and other things that are not Mm -hmm. uh it's the product itself the cost of goods Mm -hmm. the market size Mm. now that's the market immediate size what will they pay for this product okay so initially you're starting out in the state of texas what's the market size of state of texas that's going to help you determine do I really have enough customers that would pay two bucks for that one dollar product? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and then I have to go through a distributor, so mm-hmm. maybe I have to sell it to the distributor for a buck and a half, and he's going to have to market for three dollars. Right. So you got to look at all those views or those points of that. But the market size, once you determine the market size, that's going to help you to determine whether. You should mark up three times, four times, or how do you mark it up? Mm-hmm. Who would buy the product? Okay. What were they willing to pay for the product? Okay. I have a product I'm looking at right now that has a large market worldwide, mm-hmm. a very inexpensive product to build, mm-hmm. but I've got to get into the industry with this, this product. So initially I start out at a lower price. Okay. It finds the market, then you constantly raise that price and as your market is Determine and they understand, wow, what a great idea. I want to, I want to buy that product from
0: Okay. You. All right. So talk about 6 months startup costs. What should a company have in the bank or access to in the first six months?
1: Yeah, you know, the question when I use the, the first six months is that you've come up with your idea and you're trying to develop a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, that six months is going to take you to how much money do I really need to develop this product for the first year? Second year and the third year, and those years are stages of capital. It okay. doesn't mean that you have to raise all three million dollars if it's a million dollars per year the first year, mm-hmm. but it means I have to have a stage of capital. And the first stage is what we call the six months, mm-hmm. and what I like to do is with the first six months, you want to go friends and family.
2: Mm,
1: okay, and that's your development stage, okay. that's proof of concept stage. Right. Spend that time proving your concept, proving your market. Proving the value of your product. Okay. okay? And then that's going to tell you, okay, this is a really good deal. Uh, I've seen six months proof of concept, anywhere from 200 bucks to $5,000. All right. Uh, But that's where your first capital comes from. Mm -hmm. You got proof of concept. Now it's time to say, I need investors. Mm -hmm. What stage of investors do you want? This is your first stage of investors. And, if you're a corporation, you're selling shareholders. Okay. See, but you got proof of concept already done, yeah. and you don't have enough money yourself to fund the deal, mm-hmm. which in most cases the way it works,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you're an entrepreneur and you got this great idea and it's worth a couple million dollars. How do I do it? Right. You're going to start slowly selling shares into your entity and you grow on your company. Now, the first batch of shares are going to get a better deal than the second batch than the third batch because you're staging your company. Okay. So if I were raising $3 million over a uh, three-year time, I would give the first million a better deal than do the second million and the third million. million. Because at those stages, you've already proved your concept. You've already got customers coming in. You're already showing that you can sell a product.
0: Gotcha. Well, it's interesting because this conversation deals primarily with products. Is there anything that's applicable to services?
1: Yeah. And I think services is is probably the best. How do you determine the cost of your service? Yes. You know, uh, you can go to an attorney and he'll say, I charge you 200 bucks an hour. Corporate attorney, 200 bucks an hour. You go to securities attorney, it's $350 an hour. Wow. It's based on the knowledge that they have in the field that they're in. Okay. That's how you determine your service cost too. Okay. And your service cost has competitors. So, uh, if your service is, uh, I'm just going to help you exercise, okay. there's a service cost. So you got have competitors out there, and they're already charging a particular rate. You determine what rate you want to be in at that, at that time. And okay. you, what is the cost of your service? Now, right. That's individually. And that's mm-hmm. saying, what am I valued at? Okay. My time is important. Your time is important. Mm-hmm. Put a value to that. And make sure that you give that value to your client.
0: Now, that's interesting because you still have to go through the steps of determining your target market, knowing the size of your market. Yep. But pricing, it seems, for services is always a little different where you said, talked about the value of your time and the knowledge that you bring. That seems to be the most difficult part for a service oriented uh service or a business versus a product-driven business. Because, you know, the cost of goods sold is because of your suppliers, you know, the liquid this or the widget gadget or whatever. There's a cost to that, but that intangible is what service companies have a challenge with.
1: And, you know, it still has the same makeup of finding out what a product value is, Mm -hmm. you know, that has a value. You have a value. Mm -hmm. Determine what the value is of the knowledge that you're given. Uh, Like I was giving the example of a a corporate attorney at $200 or Mm $200,000 versus the $300. There's a value to that. Mm -hmm. That that securities attorney is going to give you the same corporate advice, but now advice on how it works with securities and exchange commission, which is a different level of experience altogether. Correct.
0: Correct. So you still would need to do that six month proof of concept.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, If you don't, you're wasting my time. And you're wasting your time if you haven't done that. Okay. I have clients who come to me and they say, what's a business plan? But if you don't even know what a business plan is and you need that business plan. In fact, let me let me share this with, uh, with you. I've been in different meetings and sections and they say, you don't need a business plan. I don't want to see your business plan. The business plan is made for you individually, not mm. for the investor. That's okay. for you. Because if you go through that process of that business plan, You're going to learn your product. You're going to have to do the market research or surveys and everything and determine the cost of value. Now you understand your product. So when you make a presentation, it's from your business plan because you studied it. Right. And when I have a guy to come to me and say, I haven't done the business plan. Well, you haven't even tried to learn your product. How can you come in without that business plan? Now, I'm going to look at his business plan, but I'm not going to take that much value in his business plan as he did. But what's going to tell me is that he researched that product and makes some effort to determine before he pitches it to me, he knows what he's talking about.
0: And that's key because if you're not aware of what your competitor is doing, what the market is or anything like that, you can't expect investors to invest in something that you haven't. Or you can't be able to present something that you don't have a firm belief and knowledge about.
1: Oh, right on the money, right there, mm-hmm. and that turns more investors off than anything else that I'll come up with. Well, did what is your competitor? Well, I don't have any competitors. Oh, we yeah. all <laughs> have competitors,
0: right? This is and America, I'm, yes, and they don't all say
1: I don't have a competitor. Yes, you do,
0: mm-hmm. and you haven't
1: done your research. So why are you in front of me? Mm
0: -hmm. And are you an investor, Rudy, or are you the consultant that prepares them for the investor?
1: Well, actually, I I do investments, too. But what I do more than anything else, and I I work with public companies as well as I do with private companies, companies come to me and they ask me, where am I, what stage am I, and how I want to go to the next stage. And I advise them how to go to the next stage. Mm -hmm. I've taken a lot of private companies to the public market. That's the easiest way to raise a lot of capital, but it's a complicated way to get to that stage. It's not like farming a corporation. It's okay. more than that. Okay. But that will raise you in the millions of dollars. Whereas a private company raising capital, it has certain type of investors that it can talk to or not talk to. Mm-hmm. And you can't publicly market a private investment. Okay. okay? okay. But there are offering documents that the Securities and Exchange says – You can publicly market, Mm -hmm. and that is to accredited investors. Mm -hmm. So You can run an ad in the paper or the newspaper or uh, TV and say, hey, I need a million dollars to do this, but this is for accredited investors only.
2: Ah, Okay? okay, okay. Big
1: difference.
0: Yeah. Big difference.
1: And a lot of people don't realize that. They're afraid that they can't market the product, but if it's only for accredited investors. And then there's offering documents within the Securities and Exchange that allows you to have 35 non-accredited investors, the rule of 35. Okay. So if I'm looking for accredited investors here and I also want non-accredited investors, mm-hmm. I can't run the same ad because I'm doing non-accredited investors also. Okay. All right? So – and you know the the difference of accredited investor and a non-accredited investor simply is I like to say it's a millionaire versus a non-millionaire. Oh, that's
0: the only yeah. difference?
1: That's a well, it's it's making 250 grand a year. Okay. okay. And what the SEC says is if you're making that kind of money, I don't need to protect you. Oh, wow. But if you're non accredited, I need to protect you. Mm. Okay. Okay. And the way I protect you is I just I force the company to give you as much. Information as possible, all the information is possible.
0: Analysis paralysis.
1: <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> and and that disclosure, a lot right. of people get. Those documents are forty pages long. Easily. Yeah.
0: Easily. Wow. So structuring your company, choosing a company name. You know, if you're making widgets and you can't say widgets in your name, but how do you make people aware that you're selling widgets?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, a good question too because. Uh, I've seen companies that they have a name and you have no idea where the name came from. Mm
2: -hmm. Now
1: don't forget you can form a corporation with I can form a corporation with my name Mm -hmm. but my product is the name that I'm worried about because I want everybody to buy that particular project, widget number three. That's a trademark that we're talking about right okay. now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's real important that you find to find either initials that work for you okay, uh, or symbols that work for you. Sometimes a lot of times a symbol behind the initials mm-hmm. will tell you what the product is okay. and lead clients to your product. But Picking that name is important. I'm sure. So kind of walk us through a little bit
0: of the steps of how do you find your name? What are some of the steps you would have to take to attempt to find your name? You Look at your competitor maybe go like, oh, well, they're doing this and that looks good, sounds good, or or what?
1: Well, I I think I always look at the competitor. Mm -hmm. The competitor's timeline in the business, Mm -hmm. that's going to tell me a successful organization. He's been there a couple of years already. All right. So that's going to give me some ideas how his name is established. And what happens is that a lot of times they turn a product into a company's name. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously, you say uh, AT&T, you think of cell phones. Correct. Okay, Well, that's what happened. It's mm-hmm. a cell phone or sprint. All of a sudden, it's a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So you try to find out what words they're using to determine in the subconscious mind that it is that particular product. Okay. And that's how you pick your name. You gotta really take some study to do that. Those just don't throw a name out there and
0: And that's what that A B testing I heard has come <clears throat> in, or you know, you tested it with your friends and family or you test it in a market to see if it resonates with them or if they can determine what that product or service is based on the name. So if you don't tell them you're making widgets and you give some sort of wacky name, they'll go like, well, what is this? And the widget is what you're trying to sell. So it's like with Nike. What is Nike? Nike is a shoe company, but Nike established themselves through how many years of branding and so on and so forth. Got to wonder, how did they come up with the word Nike? And I think it has some sort of history behind it, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and every one of the shoe companies are like the example you're using had developed over a period of time so much industry, so large an industry, that everybody thinks of Nike and then they na- shoes immediately, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. So now you get into a product. Let's say you're going to build another tennis shoe that's supposed to be better than than the Nike. Mm-hmm. you got to real, be real careful with the name that you choose mm-hmm. that it's going to be a long standing name, mm-hmm. okay? Now, it's going to be a Nike the shoe, or it might be a Rudy the shoe, mm-hmm. but you added the shoe to it. You say, so that it helps you develop the relationship of what is Rudy? Well, he's about a shoe. Right. You see, so okay. you start tying little things to it initially, and eventually you won't have to have anything but your symbol.
0: Rudy, we're getting ready to transition over in a little bit about choosing the right entity. You know, you talked about the S Corp, you talked about the C Corp, you talked about the LLC. Let's talk about those a little bit in detail. What type of entity is best for a product or service? Is there a specific one that works better?
1: Well, it's not based on a product or service. It's based on really when you think about it is that what, well, how much money will I need to run this organization that I don't have? Mm. Am I going to have to raise capital in the future to grow to the stages that I want to grow? Whereas if you're a service, you probably won't need to unless you need to buy an office building and have a lot of expenses to do that. Okay. Then you need to consider that. Now, an LLC is a limited liability corporation. Mm-hmm. Right? And basically what it says, it has a set of rules on how you run that, mm-hmm. much like what you would have had of bylaws of from a corporation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you don't have officers. So you have people who are managing these rules of this organization. And now instead of having investors like you would uh, shareholders, you have members.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And that's a different uh, state of uh, investment altogether, these members. Now, an LLC is treated like an S-corporation. That means that the – Taxes are passed directly to the shareholders, or losses directly to the shareholders, based on their investment. All right, right? and it stays like that. But if I were to grow above that LLC, and what I mean is that if I need a really good group of investors, I need more than a hundred or two hundred to come into that. You better be a corporation. So what happens is you land up. change into a corporation
2: mm. so
1: you paid for an llc and most llcs through an attorney cost you a lot more because you have to draw up the organizational structure correct all right and an llc right. whereas with a corporation you don't all you right. have bylaws okay all right all so right. there's a lot less expense there to start with and but if you change from an llc to a corporation now you're paying more money again and so plan ahead think all about right. Where I am today and where do I want to be in the future? Okay. And basically, what I'm saying is that there will be a time that you need capital. And mm-hmm. if you need capital, where do I get capital? It's going to be a loan. Don't worry about it if you're an LLC. Mm-hmm. No problem. Right. Okay. But if it means I got to go to the street and find investors, I need to be, I would be better off being a corporation. corporation. I want shareholders.
0: Correct. Because then you look at for tax benefits. You look at everyone has this fear of double taxation. That's what I always hear about with the corporation, you know, and then scare some people with shareholders because now who's going to be running my business? Are they going to kick me out because the board of directors or the shareholders say, well, you're no longer viable or you're no longer whatever. And they have this fear of being booted out of their position. How can they prevent that? Does the corporation give them that protection?
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I have so many people come to me and they have that same set. Well, if I if I raise capital, they're gonna kick me out and they'll own my company. This is the key to controlling the corporation. Directors. Directors. Okay. First you have shareholders and the shareholders elected directors. Okay. If you're fifty-one percent of the shareholders, you control who votes for directors. Mm. Keeping fifty only fifty-one percent. Right. Now I don't have to have 51% myself, but if my close wife and my friends who like me, together we have 51%, Ah, we control that company. Okay. We elect the directors. Directors hire the officers and run the business. Okay. All right? So if I got control of the shareholders, the 51% we're talking about, and I want to have five directors, I will make sure that three of those are my people. Mm. Right. OK. The directors take votes on how they make changes to the corporation. OK. Right. But if they're going to change shareholders or add shareholders, they need the shareholder's permission. Correct.
0: And you okay. have 51 percent. And so. I have
1: 51 percent. OK. So what happens is uh, a lot of people who start the organization, you know, I think this is really a very important part. When I form a corporation in the state of Texas, it doesn't. You don't have to worry about how many shares you're asking for authorization for. You ah. don't pay for that. Okay. You can go to the state of Texas and you say, I want 1,000 shares, and they authorize you 1,000 shares. Right. All right? Or you can ask for 10,000 shares, hmm. and it doesn't cost you a penny more. All right. Now, if you went to uh, Delaware, mm-hmm. they charge you by the authorization. All right. right? But in Texas, they don't, and, many, and most of the states don't. All right. But what it means is that now I have in my treasury, if you will, a million shares to issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Only the shares that I issue represent ownership of the company. Okay. So I have a million shares to issue, but I only issue 500,000 shares. Right. That represents the ownership of the company. Right? Okay. Now, a year later, I need to raise more capital. So I have to go back to my shareholders and say, I'm going to raise another million dollars. What do I need to do? Well. Okay. If I have to issue more shares, that causes dilution.
2: Mm, okay. Right? All right.
1: And shareholders, if you don't control them, will say, well, well you can't go back to Texas and get more shares authorized. I already have those shares that I can authorize. Because
0: I got them initially when yes. I asked. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. All right. So you set yourself up in the beginning. Right. You don't issue all of them. You say that's in your treasure. You're holding those. Okay. Right. I control it so you don't have to give me permission. That's one of the tricks that I have found for years that investors use to take control. Wow. Because you go back to that investor and you say, I need another million dollars to do this. He said, no, you're going to dilute me. Right. So I won't allow you to do that. So it almost puts you out of business. And finally the director says, I'll do that under these conditions. My shares are non-dilutable. Right. They do that. Oh. Now you've lost control. True. Because my shares were non-dilutable, but your shares were dilutable. Okay. Okay.
0: Fascinating. So – Bylaws are the governing rules of that particular corporation. Mm-hmm. Those are critical, obviously, for the operation of the corporation. So how do you develop bylaws?
1: Well, bylaws, you can get standard bylaws out there all the time. And what you need to read in the bylaws is what's the control issue of the directors? How many directors can I have? Mm -hmm. What's the responsibility of the directors? Then it breaks down what are the responsibilities of each of the officers. And you can choose more officers than what they list. You can have a secretary, you can have a secretary treasurer, Mm -hmm. or either both. Mm -hmm. And in the state of Texas, the Secretary and the treasurer can be the president also. Wow. It didn't used to be. Okay. okay? So that's, that's important. But those are just offices. The director who runs that is really the guy who's running that business. He's choosing his office. The director can be a president of the company also. Mm-hmm. But he can fire any of these offices at any time. Okay. Okay. So they're the directors of the company. That's really the – the people who are running the business.
0: And that's key because you want someone who's in line with the visionary of the
1: corporation. That's right. What you'll see is when investors come into the deal, Mm -hmm. they want a seat in the board. Mm. They want a director that's part of the deal all the time. All right. They say, how many directors do you have? And I got three. All right. I want two seats Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or I want three seats so that they're controlling and protecting their investment. Correct. All right. Right. Control the board of directors, you control your company.
0: Right. So you can have a limited amount of directors, or you can have a massive amount.
1: Yeah. And the shareholders decide that because right. that's in the bylaws that says I, when you form a corporation, you have to have at least one director, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can say I can have up to five. Right. And then I've I've seen corporations with 10. Okay. All right? But, but they try to make it an odd, odd number. number rather than an even number. Right.
0: For that tiebreaker and so that's on and right. so forth. So you can mm-hmm. have a majority that rules. That's so right. to speak. Okay. So tell me type what about shares? What type of shares can a corporation offer? You know, you have all these, I call them numbers, A B shares, C B shares, D shares, level one, three. <laughs> I don't understand. It sounds like alphabet soup. So yeah. talk about shares. What are the shares part of ownership, but how are they determined?
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's a great part because you have common shares, which are mm-hmm. the initial shares that you issue in the corporation when you take control. Those are usually the voting shares of how the organization is going to be run. Okay. Now, when you start to raise capital, you usually issue a preferred share. Now, the authorization you got was a million. Correct. And you issued 500,000 of common shares. Okay. Now I'm going to issue another 100,000 of preferred shares. Okay. So I take those authorization, I convert it. By the board of directors to preferred shares. Now, a preferred share means that the shareholder has a preference over the common shareholder. Mm. Normally, doesn't have a vote. Really? Right? Yeah, it's usually designed with no vote. Okay. But it means that if I go into failure, you have the first call of the money that comes out of this company. Wow. So common shareholders don't.
2: Right, but, but they can a,
1: vote. They can vote. Okay. They can roll that thing. So you can draw your contract to say you vote or you don't vote. In Mm -hmm. most cases, it is don't vote. I'm Mm -hmm. giving you a preference by making you a preferred shareholder that says if I have to liquidate, you're the preference. You get the money first. Which I like. Whatever's left goes to a shareholder. Most investors prefer to be a preferred shareholder. Correct. But they can also say, but I want a seat in the board. Mm. Okay? Okay. So you draw preferred shareholders. And then shares— that preferred shareholder or even common shares can have notes tied to them. All right. You can give a preferred shareholder a promissory note from the corporation. And it simply says, if I pay you back, or I will pay you back at this rate of interest over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, you can either convert to be a common shareholder mm-hmm. or you are now dissolved and you go away.
2: Right. So, because
1: you've
0: been paid back. That's right. Gotcha.
1: So sometimes the preferred shareholder would like the option to switch to common because they help you grow. All right. And the preferred shareholder may be getting guaranteed dividends, whereas a common shareholder isn't. Right. So while you're growing, he's only getting dividends, not an interest on his investment, but dividends based on the percentage of what he owns. Right. right? And then at that time, it says, okay, we're doing great. Would you like to switch to common? Mm -hmm. They can switch. And then how they switch, you'd make a determination. Uh, for each preferred you get two common. Okay. They, they can switch in any 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 way amount so that the ownership now shows what they have in common. Okay. Okay.
0: Right. But you're still at fifty one percent because you're on the board, you have your board of directors, you have the bulk of the stock that you still own, or the bulk of the shares that you still own.
1: So think about that too, because now you've issued more shares. Mm-hmm. And I've only issued initially the half a million that we talk about, and now i got another 100,000 shares. Right. Well, if I issued a ha- uh, 500,000 shares first and I stayed at 51% and I now issued 100,000 shares, I no longer have 51% controlling interest, do I? No. So what do I do? The board of directors says, you're doing such a hell of a job. Here's another million shares. Oh, so they distribute. That. That's right. The ah. board of directors do that, that you control. Okay. The board of directors issue shares. You, know, you give yourself a bonus ah. so that when that dilution co- comes, mm-hmm. you're still at 51%. Okay. That's how you start to control that corporation.
0: Gotcha. So you basically have 400,000 shares sitting out there. Now the board of directors has said, hey, we're going to give you a million so that you can keep your 51% because of the board of directors you have that are on your side, on your team. That's
1: right. Okay. That's exactly right. In fact, most of the bonuses that you see are stock. Mm. True. You know, in fact, Very you, true. You are, how, what does that stock mean? My ownership went up and I haven't issued any more stock to anybody. So my percentage of ownership has gone up.
0: And that's how you protect your ownership, which is the next thing we want to talk about protecting that ownership. And that's one of the ways that you can do it.
1: There's really a lot of ways and that's the best way. And okay. a lot of people won't tell you that up front, but mm-hmm. when you start to raise capital, that's what you need to be concerned about. And, and you know, I've worked with some clients that, that, they're so strong that I don't want to lose control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to lose control. Mm-hmm. It's there.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: right? But sometimes you're backed up against a wall and you need more money. No matter what you're going to do, you're going to lose control. Right. So if you lost that control by having to issue that 100000 where you were only issued the half a million we talked about. Yeah. Or the directors can say, you did such a great job. Here's another 500,000 shares or whatever, just to make sure that you got that 51%. 51 yeah.
0: ownership. That's critical because you don't ever want to lose control. It's supposedly, you don't ever want to lose control, especially if it's been your baby and you've seen it grow from infancy stage yeah. to this level, or you have did all your homework, you, you did your target marketing, demographics, you did all the research on the competitors and things like that. You finally got to a place where now I have a corporation. I have investors. I have people who believe in the same thing that I do, but I don't want to lose control. And protecting your ownership is critical.
1: Yeah, I think that's critical. But at the same time, I had to look at the issue, what are the advantages of losing control? Mm. Let's say that a, a major corporation came in and said, hey, I like what you're doing. I want to buy you out.
0: Is that a merger and acquisition or is that a buyout?
1: Well, there's two different things. A merger and acquisition—that means we're merging together and becoming one company. Okay. Okay. Whereas I want to buy you out. I like your product. Uh, Who's the best guy that's doing that all the time? Is uh, Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett does that too. But I'm I'm taking the uh, God. Where you? Facebook. Facebook. Zuckerberg. Look at all the companies he's acquired. Acquired. Mm -hmm. Didn't merge with them. Bought bought them. them out. And then put money in them and raise them to where they're at. Isn't Instagram
0: one of them? Didn't he buy Instagram? Instagram. Yes.
1: uh, One of them. There's like five in a row that he's acquired for billions of dollars. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I were one of those small companies and big boy came to me and said, I'm going to buy you out. And sometimes what he does is he buys you out and he gives you stock in his company for buying you out. Mm -hmm. And his stock is worth more a lot than your stock is. Correct. So you got to consider what's the value of staying with the deal Losing your baby, as you call it, Mm -hmm. or walking away and being a millionaire.
0: True enough. Because we're going to talk about a little bit later how you position yourself for a Zuckerberg to come and buy you out. This is an update for our Street Smart Entrepreneur Workshop. Street Smart is for entrepreneurs, startups, and new ideas. If you are thinking about and are ready to start a new company, this is for you. Are you already in business and looking to raise capital? You will learn in this phenomenal webinar, protecting your ownership, choosing the right entity, pro forma, NDAs, and what investors are looking for. Join master business developer Rudy De La Gaza as he shares his expertise and experience in taking ideas and turning them into profitable businesses and corporations. Join us on May 4th. Wednesday, May 6th, and Friday, May 8th for an intense interactive webinar learning session that can catapult your business to the next level. We will no longer be at the Launch SA location at 600 Soledad. We will now be offering a webinar. Please register on Eventbrite today. For more information about any of our guests or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio.
2: David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc., The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the hustle, juggle and struggle of small business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons CPA Inc employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons CPA Inc or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office.